Thank you, worship team. Well, good morning, Shiloh. My name is Josh Locke, one of the elders here, and I'm going to be kicking off our series on the book of James. Uh, so for the next five weeks, we'll be taking a chapter per week and looking at different, different passages and, and themes from it, but the, the series is called Faith That Works, Words of Wisdom and Calls to Faith from the book of James. Uh, and so looking forward to, uh, to walking through that. If you, if you were part of uh, the, the church during the summer, we went through the book of Philippians and we, we went through each verse. Uh, this will be a little bit different. We have five weeks until Palm Sunday and Easter, right? Today's March 1st. I feel like we're on the other end of winter. Anyone agree with me? That's right. Can I get an amen on that? That's right. Yeah, that's awesome. There's barely any snow out there, right? I say that. It's going to be like, you know, feet of snow. So I'm sorry in advance for for what I just did there. But uh, looking forward to looking forward to, uh, to spring, starting us off. So um, I want to introduce you to uh, the book of James. So James 101. James 101, how to walk with God versus how to get to God. A lot of the other New Testament books, Ephesians, Philippians, they're focused on uh, going to God, getting to God. James, it takes an assumption that you're there, you know God, and how do you walk with him? So um, that's what we'll be exploring give you some context of that. This requires some participation here. So the first service did not do a good job. Uh, all you have to do is say a number, and that's, that's basically all I'm looking for here. So uh, how many times is the name Jesus or Christ mentioned in the book of James? Just say a number. You won't be, you'll probably be wrong. That's okay, though. Go ahead. Way too high. Go lower. Not zero. Not zero. Two. That's right. Two. Two times, right? So um, some context, how many times does it show up in Ephesians? 22. Who said 45? Someone say that. Were you here last, last service? It's 45. That's right. 45 times. Big, big difference there. That's cheating. No credit for that one. All right. Um, but the, the big theme in the book of James is faith. So faith or belief, how many times does it show up? Any guesses? The less than 30. A little low. High teens. High, high teens. 19. You got the clue. Nice job. There you go. 19. All right. And then Ephesians, how many times show up? Lower. Low teens. Low teens. 12. That's right. 12 times. All right. So just so you get a sense of it, um, James is very, very much a practical book. Uh, all right. Um, so who, who wrote this book? Well, James wrote it. Uh, James is, you know, for the most part, theologians agree it's Jesus's brother, Jesus's younger brother. And I, had a, I have an older brother. Um, he did great at school. Um, and better than me, he uh, usually probably didn't get as much trouble as me. How many of you have an older brother? Yeah? Can you imagine if that was Jesus, was your older brother? That would be tough, right? That would be a tough, tough gig to follow there. All right. Um, but, but we see, so Paul in Galatians 2.9 says that James uh, is one of the pillars of the church, right? He's listing Peter. He lists James in there. So he becomes influential and an important role and uh, figure in the early church, right? So he, he ends up following after Jesus. Um, when was this written? About 15, 20 years after Jesus' death, so 48 AD or so is, is the generally accepted time frame. I have a, a treat for you later on the service, something 15, 20 years ago that I'll, that I'll share with you. Um, when was this written? So, or we have that. Uh, who was this written to? So this was written to believers everywhere. It was kind of like a track that, that was given out. It was really meant to encourage people. Um, it, there's persecution going on right now. James 1, we see, you know, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face many trials, right? There's, there's suffering, there's uh, persecution going on, and James is trying to encourage them. And a lot of people think it, it was, you know, sometime after the stoning of, of Stephen that this was sent out to, uh, to encourage people. 
So this next part will be on the test, uh, keys to James. Key verse, any guesses? Faith without works is dead. Um, James 2, 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. James tries to balance right belief with right behavior. And where Paul expanded, expounded on the principle of faith, James considered the practice of faith. And then James would also say that real faith produces authentic deeds. Often called the Proverbs of the New Testament, a lot of parallels with some of Jesus' teaching that we'll see. Uh, this next part uh, I, I took directly from Charles Swindell, who's a theologian, so um, it's not mine at all. There's my footnote, um, just so you know I'm not stealing it. I guess I'm stealing it, but you know, I'm giving him credit. So here's, a, here's an outline chapter. Chapter 1, faith, when stretched, it doesn't break. Chapter 2, faith, when pressed, doesn't fail. Chapters 3 and 4, we see when expressed, it doesn't explode. And chapter 5, when distressed, it doesn't panic. And you know, as, as I was preparing for this message, I was reading through James 1, and the, really the first time I read James 1, uh, this passage of Scripture came, came to me. And the, the title of the sermon is called Forgetful Hearers or Active Doers. And it's from James 1, 22 to 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. So I have a story for you. Uh, I said I had something for 15 or 20 years ago. Uh, this, any guesses who this is? This is me, that's right. You're probably like, wow, that kid looks so cool. My wife would say I was very cool in high school. Uh, you had the cool necklace, cool haircut. The problem is I peaked much too early, so, you know, here we are with that. But the, the reason I'm sharing this with you is because um, I, I, I have a story that illustrates what we're talking about today. So uh, I went to a small Christian school. Our uniform was a black, khaki, a black uh, polo and khakis, what I'm wearing right there. And uh, we uh, had Bible class. And in Bible class, we could pick three different projects for kind of each quarter throughout the year for what we wanted to do. The first was we could write a paper about someone in the Bible or something in the Bible. The second is we could do like a church report. So uh, you, uh, you like write up like a paragraph about what Sunday service was about. Or the third was you could memorize a portion of scripture. How many of you would have done the paper? Who likes to write papers in here? Anyone? No one? A couple of us? Okay, a couple of us. Yeah, yeah. How many of you would have uh, done the church reports? Just like a paragraph each week, right? Okay. And the rest of you would memorize or you're just not going to answer? How many of you would memorize? Yeah, okay. That's me. I'm not saying you were lazy, but I thought that was the easiest option. And as a high school guy, I, I said, well, this seems the easiest, so I'm going to memorize uh, Scripture. And so that's what I did. I memorized different Scriptures, and um, one of the ones I memorized was Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. So I probably about like 85% of it still to memory. I'm going to read it to you so I don't miss anything. It says, um, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also you once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, and because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. 
For by grace you have been saved. It is through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. It's not of works so that no one can boast. For you are his workmanship. You're created in Christ Jesus for God. Good works which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in. So I memorized the scripture. But something that I struggled with you know, early on in, in high school, through high school, through college, through my first job, into my marriage, and then you know, years in, into my marriage was uh, I struggled with accepting what God's word said about me. And there was just a disconnect that would happen in certain areas. And specifically, it would be in areas about, um, you know, if, if I had sinned and I went to God and said, God, like, I confess my sin to you. And I know the verses. I know what the Bible says. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Right? I, I know that. Um, I know that it's by grace you've been saved. It's through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. And I know all those things. And yet I would still just, even after doing that, beat myself up and put myself down and um, just be really negative on that and not accept God's forgiveness. Uh, it became, it was a problem and it, it progressed to become a problem even into my, my marriage. Right? My wife would say things like, don't talk about your husband that way when, when I was speaking because I was just not, um, I was not allowing God's grace, mercy, forgiveness to, to be for me in a weird way, which is so crazy to, to do. Uh, but it became a problem, so I, I went and sought counsel, and I, I met with the pastor, and uh, I, I told them what was going on, and they, they challenged me. They said, you know, spend some time in prayer and just ask God, you know, why I do this? Why, why do you do this? And just see what he says. So my wife uh, was pregnant with our first, with William. Uh, we had just bought a house, and so I'm in the house by myself on a Friday night painting uh, in what's now my master bedroom, and I'm sitting on this, like, dirty carpet that we had to replace. My hands are covered in paint. And I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to pray and, and see. So I put on worship music, and I kneel down to pray. And I'm, I just am really honest with God, like, God, why, why do I do this? Like, why is it hard for me to accept what you say about me? And, you know, God really challenged me in that, in that moment. And it, it, was, it was really that I wasn't being humble to God's word. In a weird way, I was, I was making myself better than that, which is, is not right. Um, and God challenged me to, to make a decision that night to believe what God's word said about me. You know, see, James, he says that, you know, we, people who hear the word but don't put it into practice, it's like looking at your face in the mirror and forgetting what you look like. I mean, that was me, right? I, I knew the word. I knew what God's word said, and yet I forgot what I looked like. I forgot what God's word said, and there was a gap between my head and my heart. And that's where I believe God wants us to be today. You know, I think there are some people here who, even if you've grown up in the church and know the word, like I knew the word, uh, there's still a gap that's there, and we're still missing what God has for us with that. And so uh, as we read through this, that's my heart, that, that God would speak to us and show us where there are some areas where we're, we're forgetting what, what his word says, we're not putting to practice, and I'm going to show you what, what we can do about that. So... Let's go through. James 1, it says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So James' day, um, they, uh, they, they didn't have books. They didn't have Bibles that, that like everyone had. I mean, how many of us have like a pile of Bibles in our basement, right? We all have Bibles. And, you know, the, the way they consumed the word in James' day was to listen to it, right? So, you know, for us, the, the principle is how do we consume the word? It's reading it's, it's listening, maybe in like the Bible app, it's, it's memorizing like I did. But James is saying that there's going to be a clear distinction between just doing that, listening, reading, consuming, and 
doing, putting it into practice. There's always action coupled with consuming the word. 23 and 24 say, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So James gives us an analogy, and when he studied this verse, uh, he's, he's talking very literally about a mirror. Now, the mirrors in James' day was not like, you know, this, that, that you can see yourself perfectly. It wasn't even like one of those crazy carnival mirrors where you're all distorted. It was usually a piece of metal that they had to polish. It was brass or copper, and it was a little warped and hard to see. So the picture James is giving us is, you know, you don't just like casually look at yourself in the mirror. You know, when, when you're looking at yourself, there's a reason why to take some dirt off your face, you know, something like that. And to do that in James's day, you had to stare at the mirror pretty hard, right? You had to look at it and like try to see through the bumps and the, the, the dirt and the, and the metal to really see. Um, and so he, he's saying, you know, you wouldn't do that, see dirt on your face and, and walk away. You wouldn't forget what you look like and not do something. It's absurd. And that's kind of the point. Anyone know who these people are? Yeah. Okay. Jonas Brothers. That's right. Yeah. This is a band. You know, I was thinking, like, Ed usually likes to start his sermons with a, uh, a song that was made before I was born. Um, so I'm going to do, like, current 40s bands. Maybe I'll do something like that. Um, but Jane, uh, so the, the Jonas Brothers, they performed at this award show uh, on TV. They're debuting a new song, and they were, um, they're on stage. So this is, like, in front of celebrities and famous people, and then on TV. So tons of people are singing. And Nick Jonas is singing, and he has a hunk of spinach stuck in his teeth. It, it's right there. You can see it, right? So he later confirmed, like, okay, this is, this is true. I do eat my greens, right? Like, this is, uh, this is food there. But it, it's kind of like James is saying, when we read the word and we don't do anything about it, we don't allow it to, to go from our head to our heart, it's like someone saying, hey, Nick, before you go perform for millions of people, there's a piece of spinach in your teeth. And he looks, he sees it, and then he just goes on and, and performs. He wouldn't do that, right? Would any of you do that? No, it's absurd. You wouldn't do that. You would, you would take some action there. So this is the action James is talking about. Verses 20, verse 25. But whoever looks intently to the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. So as a kid, I loved ants. I loved watching ants. I like uh, you know, seeing ants walking on the ground. I like documentaries on ants. Even now I like ants. Anyone here like ants? No? No one here? A couple people? Like, no one in the last service. I'm like, come on, you know. You ever go on, like, YouTube holes where you're, like, looking at YouTube and you get sucked in? I get sucked into, like, documentaries on ants. Like, BBC versions are awesome. So, anyway, but, but the picture that James gives us when he says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, it, it's a picture of, like, a child bending down, like, crouching down to look at a bug, right? And so, this is my son, Andrew. Um, and, you know, he, I just picture him, like, squatting down and looking and getting really close to it. That's the idea of looking intently that James is talking about. So he tells us three things. You look intently to the perfect law that gives freedom. You know, when I was sitting on that dirty carpet, my hands covered in paint and praying to God and asking God, you know, these questions and God speaking to me, I found freedom in that. When I looked intently to the perfect law and allowed it to go from my head to my heart, there was freedom when I did that. He tells us to continue in it, right? This is that idea of being an active doer, which we'll talk about in a moment. And he says, when you do that, you'll be blessed. And, you know, for me, there was a big blessing in my life where I, I stopped looking at myself from this lens that was wrong and looked at it from the lens that God has, right? Sin is still sin. I'm not saying that's okay, but it's accepting God's forgiveness and what God's word says about me. 
we see a real strong parallel to Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind beat, uh, blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So we see Jesus' words affirm what James is saying here. Um, even with the promise at the end, Jesus is saying, listen, the, the storm comes to everyone, right? On the house on the rock and in the house on the sand. And we all know, if you build something on the sand, I mean, what happens? Water hits it and it's gone. Like you, no matter what you can do, you're not going to save that. Um, and Jesus is saying, but when you build your house on the word, putting his word into practice, you have a strong foundation. You know, God in his grace, um, he, he helped me to have a foundation before I knew it, right? Have, have verses that I could come to. And when, when they finally dropped from my head to my heart, uh, they, they were really impactful for me. So how do we do this? How do we put uh, Jesus' words into practice, like he says? Or how do we become an active doer versus a forgetful listener? So here's what I did. Um, first thing I did is I, I made a decision to trust what God's word says. You know, and that seems simple, and it, it is. It is simple. Uh, but for me, it was really profound, and it was a moment in time that I can look back and remember, but it's also a continual thing where, you know, we, we, we need to constantly decide, are we going to believe what God's word says? Are we going to do that? And when we submit to God's word, uh, the truth moves from our head to our heart, right? That, that's what was happening there. I was submitting to God's word, and when I did that, he allowed his truth to come to me. The second is, uh, actually, before we go to that, so what that looks practically, you know, for me, it's, it's deciding to, to do this by saying a prayer and saying, God, I will trust what your word says. Uh, sometimes that's writing that prayer down. Sometimes you stand up and you say that. Sometimes you kneel down. But it's making a decision to, to trust in God's word. The second is to build muscle memory. So muscle memory, um, probably not a great example, but I was thinking of, you know those Western movies where uh, they, someone offends someone else and they have the shootout where they, they wait till high noon and they walk? I don't really get the, the you know, the, how you actually do it. I've just seen it in movies. But someone, someone like pulls their gun and shoots real quick. And that idea when they pull their gun out quick, they're not thinking about that. They're, they're just doing it on, on impulse, on muscle memory. They can do it really quick. So I don't have a cool or good example of that. The, the example I can think of with muscle memory is when I do this. So some of you parents will know what I'm doing. Anyone know what I'm doing? Rocking a baby? That's right. So um, my, my youngest son, Michael, seven months, and, and he, he's a great baby. He's, he's really easy and chill, um, but he likes to wait until my wife leaves the house before he's like, all right, let's see what you got, Dad. And so this happened this past week where, um, you know, Emily's out and the two older kids are in bed and, um, you know, Michael's in bed and he's been asleep for, I don't know, 45 minutes or something, and he just wakes up, which is rare for him to do, and he starts crying, and I go in there, and I do all the things, the passy, and, you know, whatever else, and nothing works, and so I have to pick him up and rock him, and I'm doing that, and, like, obviously I win, right? I get him down. I, I feel like battles getting your kids to sleep is a win, so, like, I get them to sleep, uh, but doing that is muscle memory. I don't have to think about that. I mean, how many times have we done that in our sleep, half asleep, when we're rocking a kid to sleep, right? That's muscle memory, and what that means for the word is you have Bible verses in your mind that you can pull out in an instant. You know, God was so good that he helped me to build that muscle memory even before I was doing it right. You know, when I think of 
Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, by grace that I've been saved, it's through faith. It's not of myself. It's a gift of God. It's not of works. You know, that, that's profound for me, and that's, that's muscle memory. So to, to become an active doer, it's building muscle memory for us, having those verses. And the last thing is practice using God's words in our prayers. You know, I, I've spoken about this before, so if you've heard me, I apologize. But this is something I'm really passionate about and believe in. You know, when, when we take God's words and we say them back to him, it's a powerful thing that happens. So what this looks like is, is usually something like, you know, God, your word says I'm a new creation in Christ, that the old is gone and the new has come. Help me, help me to walk in that today, right? It's, it's as simple as that. And, and I think sometimes we, we feel like we have to believe that 100% or be totally like, on board with it. And uh, I was reading in Mark 9 this past week, uh, and this is the father whose son is demon-possessed, and, he, and Jesus says to him, if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Right? It, it's okay to not be totally there when you're, when you're saying those prayers. God knows our heart, and God knows where we're at with that. Um, and, and sometimes saying those prayers is the first step into to believing them, making them part of ourself. So what does that look like in our lives today? You know, I, I went through and thought of some different, different ways that maybe this, it's hard to get from the truth from our head to our heart. And so I just I put a couple questions down and some verses that go with that that have helped me before. And, and I would just encourage you if, if you know, th- these are verses you probably all heard before. Um, and, and like me, that, I, I was the same way, but there was a gap between putting them into practice, allowing them to go from my head to my heart. So if you beat yourself up, find it hard to accept what God's word says about you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Ephesians 2.10, You are his workmanship. You're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Now, maybe you feel trapped or stuck in your current decision. Maybe it's a, a situation that you got yourself there, or maybe it's something that you had no part of and you're still there. Um, but his word says, Psalms 23.5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. I love this because we see that God doesn't just take us out of situations. Sometimes he goes into them and he meets us there. He prepares a table before us in the presence of, his, of, of our enemies. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have called according to his purpose. Or maybe you just kind of feel lost, like you're wandering. I mean, there was a season in my life where I felt that big time, uh, where I just didn't have direction of where I was going. Romans eight thirty eight to 39. And I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow. Not even the power of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love, that God, uh, the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. I love that because, you know, you think of when, when you have a path in front of you, sometimes it's hard to follow, but when you know it's straight, when God makes that straight, you know, that you have a sense of the direction you need to go. Or maybe you don't feel anything, right? Sometimes in worship or in prayer, I mean, Jeff, Jeff said this earlier, where you're, you're just kind of doing what you're doing over and over again. Um, I would just encourage you, Hebrews eleven six. 6, 
And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. But as we seek him, we will find him. His word is true about that. If we seek him, we'll find him. The last one, maybe you feel alone. I, I remember when I, when I uh, seasoned in college, I, I felt I was surrounded by people, surrounded by friends, and it was such a lonely period of time for me. Um, inwardly, not outwardly, but inwardly, it was so challenging. Hebrews 4.15. Uh, this is the double negative. Um, I don't, double negatives are tricky. I have a friend uh, that I like to text, and he doesn't understand double negatives. It's very hard for him. So I'll say things like, hey, Paul, I can't not wait to see you this week. I don't, I don't not like to talk to you, whatever it is. And I, I like to do that just to be fun. So um, I'm going to switch this to be uh, just the positive. For we have a high priest who is able to empathize with our weaknesses, uh, who's tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. This high priest is Jesus, and he knows what we walk through. So we're, we're not alone in that. He knows where we're at. He's able to empathize with us. And lastly, Ephesians 1, 4 through 5. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family. And, you know, I, I think it's easy to feel separated from everyone. It's easy to feel lonely sometimes. But know that God has decided to bring you into his family. You're part of the family now. Uh, he, and he decided that, and it brings him great pleasure when we do that. So, you know, are we forgetful here or are we an active doer? I, I think sometimes it's, it's very easy to forget. Uh, it's easy to, to look at the word like I did and just forget about it. Not think it applies to you or have read it a hundred times. It's in your mind, but, but it's not in your heart. Uh, and, you know, I, I would say, is there an area that God has challenged you in this today to, to start not just hearing, but to doing his word? So my challenge for, for all of us this week um, is, is to just take two minutes and to ask God those questions, to say, you know, God, is there an area in my life where I am being a forgetful hearer? hearer? Is there something that I'm, I'm not taking the time to really believe? Because for me, it brought so much healing and so much freedom when I took that time to decide to, to believe what his word said. James 1.21, so this is a verse right before the passage we read. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save Really, the first step in this is to humbly accept God's word. Right? I shared three things that I did to accept God's word as true, to build muscle memory, to have those verses we can go to, and then to practice using God's word over and over again. Um, that, that, it, it takes a step of faith to humble yourself to God's word, but when you do that, you find freedom. And when you do that, just like Jesus said, you build a foundation that, that can withstand the storms of life. So I'm going to close this in prayer. And uh, you have an opportunity to respond to this. If, if God is speaking to you today, uh, we'll have people at either side of the, the stage up here where uh, our prayer team will be, and they would love to pray with you. If, if you want prayer and it doesn't have to do with this, come up, come up, because we would love to spend some time praying with you uh, for, for any need that you have. So, Father, God, we thank you that you are good, that your loving kindness is everlasting, and that you are faithful to all generations. God, we thank you that you desire us to experience abundant life, that you would desire for us to experience 
a life built on a firm foundation of your word. And thank you that you're for us and not against us. So this week, God, would you reveal to us any areas in our life where we, uh, we're forgetting, we're forgetting what we look like, where we're not taking that piece of spinach out. God, would you, would you speak to us this week and bring freedom? You tell us in Romans that your kindness leads us to repentance, God. So thank you that when you do that, it's never in a backhanded way, in an angry way. It is in a loving, father, fatherly way. So we trust in your word, God. We commit to what your word says. And thank you that you're with us and that you respond to us. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We invite you to come up. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you.